G'day everyone out there in the World Wide Web. Before we start today's podcast, I just want to do a quick shout out to our co-host Simon Travellini and his new wife Nicole. They got married on the weekend. Um, my wife and I were honoured to be there for the ceremony and the reception. It was a lovely day, a lovely evening um, and we wish you all the very best for a, a great future together. Um, as a true motorsport fan and podcaster, Simon still put together a podcast for us. So, without further ado, congratulations, Simon and Nicole. Let's get straight into it. Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talking Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold it to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the south, we refer to it as the gap band. My God, this is going to be an absolutely barnstorming finish. Treat these tracks just for the fuel cars. Hell, Ray Charles could drive one of them damn things in his current state. Just listen to 351 work. Green is mine. Nine consecutive top two finishes. What's it mean to tie Jack Ingram's mark? Just imagine if all those seconds were wins. Torque and Power. Your motorsport and motoring podcast. Welcome everyone to Talk and Power. We are up to episode number five. I'm glad you can join us, everyone out there in the World Wide Web. I'm here with my co-host, Simon Gonzo Travellini. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Can't I'll complain. I'll tell you what. So so let's let's just analyse this, right? Mm. Uh, Le Mans, French race, yep. Zarco, right? Wanted to put on a show. Yep. Did what he did the last round, got out in front, massive lead on the softer tyres. Yep. Apparently, he's really good at conserving the tyres towards the end of the race. The boys there, the Yamaha boys, Rossi and Vinales, they didn't let him get away. Mm. They just patiently waited behind him, like you should at that level, yep. right? Vinales got in under him. Rossi took a bit longer, didn't want Vinales to get too far away. Yep. Then... Rossi, the old Rossi, comes out. Yeah. Right? Resetting the lap record just about on every rat until mm. he caught Vinales, went around Vinales, led the race. And basically on that last lap, it looked to me... I mean, I, I was screaming, Nick. I was getting right into it. You know, I, I love Rossi. I love what he's done for the sport. He's like a modern-day Barry Sheen. Mm. You know, incredible influence on the sport. And to, to do that in the closing stages of a race to come out and smash the lap record yeah. shave three tenths mm. off, off your teammate who's younger and on exactly the same bike right incredible just an incredible ride and then he runs wide yeah right and at that point I'm thinking it's alright it's still going to be not that I'm a Yamaha fan I'm a Suzuki fan that's you know mm. everyone knows that Ducati and Suzuki but nonetheless great for Yamaha first second and third Zarco in there, third mm. spot. Great for France. Great for Le Mans. Great for MotoGP. And then he drops the bike. Yeah. Three turns to go. He could have sat back, mm. right? Vignali's got him. He run wide. You know that's it. It happens in racing. Yeah. He could have sat back, taken second spot. You know, there's no way Zarco would have caught him. Mm. 
Zarko's rear would have started to go off by then. He was on the softer option. It was tragic. It was uh, like I I was beside myself. To be honest, just talking about it now, I'm starting to get a little bit emotional, you know, yeah. because just a, a tragedy. Um, at the end of the day, still great for MotoGP because Zarko got on the podium. So yeah. a Frenchman getting on the podium at Le Mans. Record crowd, I believe, 105,000 yeah. people. That's incredible. Yeah. I'll guarantee 100,000 of those people there were, was there to see Zarko. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, anyone that was at that race, they got their money's worth. Mm. Oh, definitely, yeah. Unlike people who went to the V8 supercars. <laughs> so, Nick, the V8s, they've turned into a bit of a lemon, yeah? <laughs> it's interesting. Last week, we had a chat about the V8s. Sorry, not last week. Two weeks ago, we had a chat about the V8s at Barbagello, and... I, you said you asked me were the V8s in trouble and I said yes the following day or maybe two days later we get this press release about Archer Capital wanted to sell their 65% share in the sport not just wanting to sell it Nick tell the audience (laughs) well they're looking down the barrel of a a major hundred million dollar loss and that's assuming they get what they want for it so they paid $200 million for it in uh, seven, six years ago, and they're looking to quit it for about 80 to $100 million. Oh, that was a good investment. I'm sure yeah. the shareholders are happy with that one. It, it's When you think about it, I had a good think about this over the last few, few days, and I've been thinking who would be in a position to buy such a thing. And I mean, they've suggested that uh, News Limited in, with their um, Foxtel... Uh, reach could could be looking at buying it. When you think about it, they paid two hundred and forty-one million for the TV rights, so they're able to buy sixty-five percent of the category for half of that. But right, they pay the two hundred and forty-one million. Mm. That money goes somewhere. Yeah. Right. Obviously, didn't go to profit <laughs> if these guys are trying to quit it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's still going to be an operating expense associated to it. So even if they buy a majority share, unless they're going to run it as well, which you've got to look at the cost of running it then, you know, either either, it it just seems like uh, people are over it, I I guess. I I could be wrong, but uh, remember we discussed the the trucks? Yep. And and it took me a while talking to a a lot of people, not a few people, a lot of people about it, Mm. uh, gauging why they thought that the trucks were so good and so much fun. And yeah. the reality was that they were just bored with the V8s. Yeah. So, you know, they really need to do something with the category. And I'm, I'm going to throw a bombshell out yeah. there. I, I think that they need to buy back all the franchises and quit the whole franchise system. Because yeah. if you open this category up so that a privateer could come in and race against the big boys, mm. not that they're going to win, right? But you might just have that, you know, magic mic moment when, yeah. you know, the other guys crash out in front like the the ice skater. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen Bradbury. Bradbury. That's yeah. it. The Brad. The Stephen Bradbury moment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think it would make the category exciting again yeah. because right now, I mean, it's just it's not just checkbook racing. It's a bunch of rich people, mm. right? That. Uh, uh, are getting sponsored. I mean, half the brands there I've never even heard of. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, 
or Coca-Cola or you know what I mean it's it's all this oddball stuff which makes you wonder if, if the people that own the teams are the ones that are sponsoring themselves doing it as a tax write-off I, I think there's a lot of that that goes on or there's a lot of hidden not hidden companies but third tier part companies that belong to some of these teams that have been promoted through their V8 supercar look I know definitely Penske with the exception of Shell but those cars run especially two years ago they were running the variation of the brands that Roger Roger Penske that is is representing in Australia so um, um, the MTU Detroit um, yeah well he is MTU yeah, Detroit yeah, yeah that's right yeah so he was he was you know branding those brands now that makes sense for Roger and I get that but I, I honestly don't think when I look at this I can't see I cannot see. There was a suggestion that perhaps the teams take it over. I can't. I just... Nah. With the exception of Roger and Roland, I could, wouldn't imagine any of them being in the position to do it. And even if they were, I don't think it's that's for the best for the sport. As you said, the, the, the sport needs to be run by people that can run a business and make money. Clearly, yeah, but these guys haven't done that. They've got to have a good product. Right, yep. right now, what they've got is a combination of what the teams wanted mm. and the drivers wanted, yeah. right? Neither of those people are the ones that need to sit and watch it. Yeah, that's so right. What they need is is the spectators to have input mm. in where the, the direction of the class needs yeah. to go. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, the other thing that I'm getting out of this from talking to, to different people is that a lot of people go to those races, not yeah. because... Uh, they like what they're seeing nowadays, but because they're loyal V8 fans. Mm. Okay, so just like when I was a kid, you know, I'd get up and watch Hardy's Heroes and, yep. you know, all that leading up to Bathurst. That was like a big weekend for me. Mm. Um, these guys feel, and girls, feel as though that they, and they have to go through all emotions, even though they actually dislike the category at the moment, you know? <laughs> I think you're one of these people. I, I am, I am. You, you, you. Have you been talking with my wife? Because that, that is exactly what happens here, especially Bathurst weekend. I have this obligatory need to watch the qualifying, and, and I, I like watching it. But if I didn't watch it, I'd feel, geez, have I missed out? Have I have I missed out on something? Have I not, you know, and, and I've got to get up early. I make these poor children get up early and watch it with me as well. But am I barking up the wrong tree? Is this is this not for me anymore? I still enjoy it, but when I see stuff like this, you know, quitting the business for less than half of what you paid for it, I'm sorry the alarm bells are ringing, guys. Listen, Nick, uh, if we're going to get into a counselling session, I'm going to have to put you on the clock. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so tell me about the sacking of Adrian Burgess. Well, at first it was reported that he had left, which was interesting because I found that very unusual that he would depart. I mean, they, uh, Ryan Wilkinshaw headhunted Adrian a number of years ago. Adrian comes from good stock. He came from Triple A, and prior to that, he came from um, Dick Johnson and won a championship in 2010 with James Courtney when DJR was still DJR. Um, and I was kind of shocked that he was actually sacked. Now, he was sacked after the Wanneroo race, which was, for them, very, very disappointing. Very disappointing. I mean, Courtney was battling for 20th, and I think uh, young Scott Pye was battling even further back. Um, they've lost, as we all know, they've lost the Holden Racing Team uh, franchise this year. Um, and, like, there's no bad blood, they report, but... You know, I think when we see someone like Adrian Burgess get the sack from 
from a team like that, I think that there's a problem there in itself. Do you think that uh, it's his fault that they're, they're not performing? Not at all. No. no. So he's he's just a scapegoat, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. 100%. Yep. That's a bit like, um, you know, rather than him uh, focusing on the DJR Penske domination that mm. we both love seeing, yep. they uh, spent a lot of time talking about the sideshow incidents with the Winterbot bottom and uh, Rulo, Davies and Caruso. I'm, I'm getting a bit jack of that as well. This was from the Winton race on the weekend, of the, a couple of weekends ago, and uh, are we taken away from the sport? We, the, the whole This whole Winterbottom and Rulo thing, I'm a, alright, hand up here, I'll put my hand up, I'm a Winterbottom fan, right? But Alex Young, Alex Rulo, he's a good West Australian boy. Now, Yes, Mark, you were caught out in, in a bit of lapped traffic. Uh, Rulo, wh- where was he supposed to go? I don't, I don't understand where Alec, young Alex was supposed to put the car. I, I, I think uh, his comments were uh, more about letting... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Inexperienced drivers into the category just because I've got rich parents. Yeah. That's, that's the way I understood it. Maybe, maybe no, I've, that's, that's I've misconstrued it. No, no, you haven't misconstrued <laughs> it at all. <laughs> But the, the the V8 Supercar Media Centre do not need to run with these stories. I'm sorry, we're not interested in this story. There is no story here. There is no story here. So this brings us back to why they're selling out for half of what they paid or less. That's exactly right. <laughs> so anyway, don't worry about those V8s because there's nothing super about them. So, Formula One, what can we say? What did you reckon? Another win for Vettel. Go Ferrari. Sebastian's up there now. He's he's gone, He's up and running again. We went a couple of weeks without a win, but old Seb is back, back to his winning ways. It's really good to see, actually. Look, once again, I'll reiterate, I'm not a fan of um, the track. It may look great. Uh, but it certainly doesn't lend itself to um, passing moves um, or, go- or good racing. In actual fact, on TV, I didn't see one single pass. Uh, it was interesting at the start of the race, um, they did a live cross f- from uh, t- to uh, Fernando Alonso uh, from Jensen Button's car. Let's have a listen in on that conversation. So, yeah, please. Oh, pass. thank you. I'm trying to take care of my car. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pee in your seat. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> Have fun. You did amazing Cheers, job. Man. Amazing job. And you, buddy. And you, buddy. Have a good one. So, uh, as it turned out, Jensen uh, peed in his seat, crashed the car, and rolled another guy over. So, uh, probably not the best weekend for Jensen. There was also a fair bit of radio chatter um, during the race. We heard um, Valtteri Bottas and um, Perez. Let's have a listen in here to Sergio. Well, first Valtteri and then Sergio. And if you're comfortable, scratch six. Does it look comfortable? Yellow seven drive position nine. Yellow seven drive position nine and green car one. 
Guys, you really want me to press, huh? Stop around. I need to hundred focus. Anyway, when it's all said and done, um, Ferrari won too. And look, a lot's been said about uh, Raikkonen and the pit strategy. I've got a news check for you people. That's racing, and that's a strategy. I don't think anyone disputes that uh, Sebastian is the number one driver for Ferrari. Now, they may have masked the um, the early pitting of Raikkonen as uh part of some other strategy to keep him on par with Bottas. Whether that's true or not is irrelevant. We've seen previous races where Valtteri Bottas, that is, has moved over and let Hamilton through. No one cared. No one said a word. Um, Everyone seems to be up in arms about what Ferrari did. I don't have a problem with it. That's team racing. Uh, Ferrari to the front. What I'm more interested in talking about, Nick, is it happened... It, it happened. Did. <laughs> Didn't I say, I said in our last podcast two weeks ago, I said, I hope it's only weeks away. Well, as it turned out, I was, I was one week <laughs> one off. One week. One week. One week off. <laughs> Stevie Fast did it. He did winning that. his first gold wally. <laughs> for, those, for those of you that don't know, the gold wally is uh, the win in NHRA. It's like, uh, for those that follow drag racing, we have the gold Christmas tree. They have the wally, which is a... A, a trophy that's made uh, as a, uh, a mini statue of Wally Park standing next to a slick. Mm, that's correct, yeah. Should we have a listen to Stevie? This was before the race in Kansas. Let's just have a listen to Stevie Fast prior to the race. Of course, the, uh, you talk about the supercharger. There's been a rules adjustment since Atlanta. You can only spin the blower, what, 16.5% compared to over 20, right? Correct. So how is that going to affect your program going into Topeka? What are your thoughts on that? We were only like five over before, so it won't hurt us at all. We're actually going to speed the thing up to get to 16 and a half. Uh, nah, it, it's, it's different. It'll take a different uh, – For we run a torque converter. We don't run a clutch. So it'll take a, a little bit different power management, uh, takes a different converter, different transmission ratios and stuff. But it's uh, you know, it's just a curveball, and I'm pretty good at hitting curveballs. So you know, I'm not too worried about it. We're going to go try to, try to make some laps somewhere today or tomorrow and see if we can kind of halfway get it figured out. Topeka, your first time racing there coming up this week? I don't believe you've ever been there before, right? I don't think I've ever even been to Kansas. I don't even know where Kansas is in the world. Uh, I told Jack to get the GPS and figure out how far it is. Uh, but, yeah, first time racing there, and I'm excited about it. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, the, the air is going to be pretty good, it looks like, this weekend. And with the rule change on a new track, we don't really know where we're at anyway. So we're just going to happy Gilmore to steal, grip it and rip it, and see how far I can hit it down the fairway. So it, uh, it's going to be good. I, anytime you get beat on a whole shot, I probably have been beat on a whole shot two or three times ever. I am the whole shot er, not the whole shot e. Uh, so, but when that happens, you want to get back out there and race. So I'm glad we only got a week off to to wear it, and uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, and then I'm ready to get these three in a row uh, going uh, too, because we got a good car. Yeah, something about a whole shot just uh, makes people think about it for a couple of days. You'll get your chance to redeem yourself, right? I have been, I have hit the practice tree a thousand runs a day since that race. Y'all wait. I'm, I might go 50 the other way by the next race. Y'all just watch. Keep watching. We're watching. Once again, Stevie, thanks a lot. Thank you, buddy. So to all the people in Kansas, <laughs> we apologize. Well, I, we shouldn't apologize, but well, Stevie Fast doesn't know where Kansas is, which I found quite amusing, actually. I heard he was clicking his heels together on the start yeah, line there, right? he possibly was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Kansas, Bobo. This ain't. 
he would have been he would have been saying this ain't Kansas Mark <laughs> Mark Savage being one of his crew guys uh, so the overdrive we were only running 5% yeah, yeah sure. I think, <laughs> sure I think there's a little bit of a porcupine kind of a smile on his face when he said that I, I think that if he had to change the crankshaft to a different snout <laughs> so that the pulley that gave him exactly 16.5% for sure you know he would have done yeah. it yeah. So, um, so for those of you that don't know, what they do, uh, you know, the overdrive is how fast they spin the blower. And um, the different overdrives, they've got different plates that drop in to the top that somehow, I'm not 100% sure because I don't know a lot about roots blowers and how they work, uh, but apparently changing that opening makes them more or less efficient. Now, you also would have heard him talk about the torque converter and managing the power and the first gear ratio. So... You can only accelerate the car and and uh, the tyre at a certain rate, and that's dependent on the track and um, you know the tyre and the relationship between the two. So with a uh, automatic car, with a converter car versus a clutch car, you do that with the timing curve. Um, so what we used to do with our deal was, you know, we we run the motor a little bit cold. Uh, initially on the hit and then as the motor started to get angry because those blown alcohol engines the more temp they get in them the more power they make then we'd pull timing out so it might be a little bit out that we'd be pulling the timing out and trying to control the wheel speed um, but it, a lot of it is an educated guest or if you've run under the same conditions in qualifying you can sort of go back to that data when you change the blower overdrive you're going to change the amount of power that it makes so you need to compensate. So they dropped it from, I think, 20% to 16.5%. Yeah, so 3.5% change. So it may have been linear that they could look mm. at it from 3.5%. Oh, okay. so, so, yep. so I know with timing, it seemed to be fairly linear. Like if mm. you made, I know it's going to sound weird, but this is sort of what the data suggested on our deal anyway. If you were making like 2,500 horsepower, 25 degrees, if mm. you dropped it to 15 degrees, it looked as though it made 1,500 horsepower, which is kind of hard to believe, but okay. it, it, it sort of, the data seemed fairly linear. So what they would have done, um, I'm, I'm just talking from what we would have done in the same situation. If we were already at the point in, which those guys definitely are, mm. right? Which we weren't, <laughs> we were nowhere near, we are at the blunt end, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, we would have put a slightly lower first gear in, right? So to compensate for what the motor was doing, and then uh, and that's what he's talking about the first gear ratio. And with the converter, you may have put a slightly looser converter so that the stall speed was a little bit higher, yeah. right? To get that blower speed back up. Because what I found with our car and what I found with all my customers' cars that run blowers is that it is very much dependent on the blower speed. So you're mm. kind of trying to achieve the best average blower speed on the run. Nonetheless, he got the job done, right? Oh, yeah. um, now, it's interesting. Since the beginning of this podcast, you and I have been talking about the overdrive limits yeah. and how we felt that it was fairly even. Mm. Um, and, you know, at this meeting, the mile an hour was way down on the blown cars, yeah. right? The turbo cars were just trucking, okay? Mm. Uh, the air was good, as you heard in the interview. He expected good air, and obviously all the blower teams made the best use of it. Um, but uh, Castellana still managed to run a 60 yeah. with the lower blower yeah. overdrive. So, 
you know, I, I'm just... What's going to happen when we get to the hot conditions? And, and is the NHRA um, going to play this game now where... Because I'm expecting the blower cars to run slow... Uh, in in the hotter conditions mm. and at the uh, uh, really hot conditions, I expect the nitrous cars to really stand up. Yeah. So is the NHRA going to give them something back when they get to those tracks? Is this going to be kind of like the V8 supercars where they have a fixed ratio for mm. the for the diffs for different tracks? Are they going to say, oh, this track the blower guys can run this much overdrive? Because it kind of seems, you know, if you've made a decision, I'm going to run a blower dr- uh, deal or a turbo deal or a nitrous deal. And they keep moving the goalposts. It just doesn't seem fair to me. You it, know? It's not fair, and I, I sincerely hope we don't see a change to less less overdrive on these cars. I think that's enough. That's adequate. It hasn't really proved the point anyway. But I don't yeah, but think... Nick, is that because the blower guys are just smarter? Possibly, yeah. You know, yeah. like you think about it, these guys are running fast, mm. right? We always see the. Uh, memes from the turbo guys about yeah. parasitic losses yeah. and blah 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 right these guys are running fast with a mechanical fuel injection mm. right um, as opposed to EFI yeah. right they have timing control in the automatic cars or you know converter cars and the clutch cars obviously have the clutch adjustment there mm. but you know I, I just think that maybe the NHRA should just tell the turbo guys to stop whinging yeah you know, because the the round before it was pretty close racing. You know yeah, what I mean? Was, like, yeah. all, all jokes aside, and I don't say this to be smart or anything like that. But if you look at the brains trust with the blower deals, I, there's a big pool of talent. We had Frank Manzo in the other lane. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A, it was an awesome race, yeah. and it was it was awesome to see those guys, which I, I hold with very high regard. Mm. Right. Um, you know, they throw them a curveball and go, nah, we're taking 3.5% yeah. overdrive. And they still come out on top. Mm. Those two same teams yeah. come on top. Uh, you know, so pretty impressive. But the air must have been good and the track must have been good because the funny cars... Oh, that was out of control. And before we talk about the funny cars, let's just listen to Stevie Fast after the race. Let's just have a quick listen to him here. I got a bunch of folks in the Middle East that have been asking me about what gap means on the injector. <laughs> I just showed y'all. I told y'all I was going to show you what it's over with. My guys did an awesome job. All of our sponsors, everybody. Uh, thank you guys for not giving up on it. We, we still need to join up for a couple of races. We're here. It's going to be a long season. I'm, I'm having fun. You've got the mellow yellow. Go ahead and pour it. There you go. Have a pour it or drink it. Either one's good. He's got himself the Wally. So we just heard Stevie there at the end of the race. So, I mean, speaking of gap, and I, I mean this with respect as well, but... Mike really did get gapped in that race. I mean, he was out on Castellana. Oh, yeah. And he did a massive step to the left as well, Stevie Fast. It was a massive step to the side, uh, to the oh, centre line. He might have been hossing the gas like I in the old Yeah, I reckon he was. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. He went did this massive and still gapped him in a major way. So it was really impressive to see. He, uh, he said it in that interview, like, I, I don't know if it's in... The, the cut that you've got but he he practiced like a thousand times on the practice yeah. tree and I tell you yeah. what when you get hole shotted that's what you do it <laughs> you hurts go, oh yeah it it's, it's uh you know yeah I mean he like he normally doesn't he's normally the guy doing the hole shotting mm. you know yeah so it would have but anyway look it's a great result for yeah. uh, Stevie Fast 
it's an awesome result for the sport because he's got such a huge following and all the guys that he used to race against hmm. are right behind him you know yeah. so all the radial world yeah. the whole radial world uh, is supporting him 100% because I guess those guys um, you know and, and I've got to be honest with you Nick I've always held them with you know pretty high regard but yeah the radial racing world has for a long time listened to the NHRA kind of guys say oh you know but they run sea rotors at you know 128 over and all this stuff which they did mm. you know when Steve put the 14 on his car I was like what's he doing why is he going from like you know sea rotor is a big blower it's yeah. bigger than we run it well we're not allowed to run it except in that outlaw, you know, Moitz class, yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, it's a bigger blower than the D, which they run in top alcohol. And in America, they can run 128 over as long as they recertify the blower. Yep. The maximum overdrive you can run in Australia is 125. So it's, you know, I mean, theoretically, it's a lot more power. Uh, when he went to the 14, I thought, that's kind of weird. And I kept wondering whether he was lining himself up for NHRA Pro Mod, yeah. you know, because they are restricted to a 14. And, uh, you know, I think he, he has validated how good the radial guys are. Yeah, you know? yeah. And yeah, it certainly has. Yeah. I, 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 I uh, wouldn't be surprised. And you know me, I've always been like, you know, why are you guys mucking around? Like, you know, with, with the turbo deals over east, mm. right? Just put a blower on it and go run door slammer. If you yeah. think you're that good, right? That's where you should be, mm. you know. You didn't see me go and put 275s on the BA and go, oh, look, I'm the king of 275s, yeah. right? I went and had a crack, even with a car that was, well, was 10 years old before mm. uh, we went out there. Stevie Fast done that, but he's got the Bahrain One money, yeah. right? He's geared up. He's good to go. He's got Troy Critchley, Hammer Superchargers there, you know, arguably one of the world's best pro mod races that's ever been. Uh, and you know he's doing it man yeah. he won the race so it's a great result great result for the NHRA and uh, you know I'm sure that Stevie Fast is going to keep on trying to break the internet use up all that bandwidth as often as he can <laughs> so. well I don't know if you've heard from our friend Donald 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 Long I call him our friend I don't even, I've never spoke with the man <laughs> the duck. I follow I follow him quite avidly he said and I'll quote his words, I swear to God, I will sue the NHRA if I hear one of those commentators call him Stevie Fast. <laughs> has he taken claim to that one? Has I believe he? he has. I believe he has. So, uh, it was quite funny, actually. Now, you, you alluded to it before, the funny cars as well. Ron Caps went on to win that meet uh, at Topica, but I think the interesting thing from it was Matt Hagen resetting the record. Yeah, like I said, the conditions must have been epic because 3802, 338 mile an hour. For, for those of you out there that um, uh, don't follow the American racing, they only race to a thousand foot. So that car's going 338 mile an hour 
to a thousand foot. That's incredible. That's insane speed. It is, yeah. It certainly is. Now, I, someone, well, it's not someone, Frank, our friend Frank Selva showed me a video Friday night of Courtney going, Courtney Forsett is going, I'm positive it was 3800 in testing somewhere. Possibly, but yeah. I mean, you've got to do it in competition for yeah. it to. But I, it, it must have been here. I, I didn't see where the video was. He showed it to me on his phone. He goes, oh, look, check out Courtney. I couldn't believe it. Um, but obviously, if it happens in testing... Yeah, it was definitely in testing. In testing, testing it would be considered, mm. you know, one of the fastest runs, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But it's obviously not going to be an NHRA record. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, it, it, it looks as though uh, the uh, Don Schumacher Racing team... Has, has got something going on there. Yeah. They've got a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of momentum. They have. They've forward. really sort of hit a groove now, haven't they? Both both Top Fuel and the Funny Car uh, cars have sort of got into a bit of a groove where they've, they just keep seem to be winning. We had John Force, I think, won the first first meet, but I don't think we've sent a Force car back up there since. <laughs> Um, so our Fernando Alonso, we've been following Fernando for some time now. He, during the week, um, managed to qualify in the pole spot, um, and he managed to hold on to that, and uh, unfortunately he lost that pole position later in the week. Um, but it was good to see him participate in the race. So he started the race from position five. Uh, he led uh, numerous laps, as it turned out, Fernando, 27 in total which was a great effort. Unfortunately, that Honda power unit once again let him down. Different car, different power unit, same result. So, um, unfortunately, he went out of the race on lap 179. It was interesting to listen to Fernando after the race. This is what he had to say. I don't know if you could hear the fans, but 300,000 standing and screaming and cheering the performance you put on the day when you climbed out of the car. How would you evaluate your, your drive today in the Indy 500? I mean, the whole day has been uh, a very nice experience, you know, from the very beginning, from the uh, presentation and, uh, and then the racing. The racing was fun. It was nice. And uh, I think the performance was good. We were up there uh, leading the race for, for uh, a couple of laps. And uh, on the red flag, we were leading the race. Uh, so uh, a very nice surprise to come here with these uh, big, big names, big guys, the best uh, on oval racing and, and be able to, to be competitive. Will you think about coming back? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's uh, very early, <laughs> just uh, finished this one, but uh, yeah, I, I feel competitive. If I come back, I, I come back with something that I know uh, how it will feel, so it will be easier the second time than, than what it has been this one. So really, really good fun. Thanks to, to all IndyCar, thanks to Indianapolis, thanks to the fans, because this has been one of the best experiences in my career. Yeah, you can understand why he made the move across for this particular race yeah, yeah i mean you know just to be at the pointy end of the field must be a good feeling for him yeah it was interesting on the monday he he um tony canaan was holding the pole position and fernando was the last car to come out so tony canaan was standing by watching and oh, look, i don't know tony canaan at all but it, there seemed to be a little bit of arrogance in the way he was watching the race and I think he was quite surprised by Fernando there in the pole, and they quickly went to interview Tony afterwards, and he turned around and said, do you know I won this race from 12th position? <laughs> so it was, 
I think he was a little bit perturbed by it, but it was good to see Fernando uh, grab that pole during the week. Yeah, these indie guys have got to realise that um, in Formula One, they have to go round a track. <laughs> so they may actually have a bit of a skill set. Yeah. It was interesting in that qualifying, It was it's the qualifying's actually over four laps. So it, Fernando's third lap was actually wasn't very good. He got... He got a little bit crossed up coming out of one of the corners, and it looked like he was almost going to come unstuck. And the the lap L- doesn't like, go like uh, yeah, <laughs> like Sebastian Bordeaux. But um, yeah, he managed to hold onto it and gather it up and and increased his speed. So no, it was really good to see. Another interesting snippet I had from uh, during the race was this one uh, over the team radio. Let's listen in to uh, to Fernando here. Anyway, when it was all said and done, um, Takuma Saito ended up winning. He's ex-Formula 1 as well. Uh, Helio Castro Neves came in second, and Ed Jones came in third. It'll be interesting to see how, um, if Fernando does go back there next year. We're going to hear those famous words tonight? You got it, brother. They're coming. We're getting ready. All right, the pace car. Looking right, at the, the green flag here. He's holding them back, holding them back. What's he going to do? Here we go. Green flag. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. You know, you'd almost argue, Nick, that NASCAR's taken a bit of a leaf out of the NHRA's book with, uh, you know, these, these shortened... Well, they're not really shortened races. They've just cut them up. They have cut them up. We spoke about this in episode one. Um, they've made a change since then for the Coca-Cola 600, and they've cut that race up into four four sections. So previously we've been running three because that race is uh, is longer. It's the longest race on the season for the NASCAR, 600 miles. They've cut that one into four. Yeah, I'm not completely convinced this is working for NASCAR at, at this stage. And the reason why I say that is their crowd numbers are down. Now, they've looked at all sorts of things and blamed all sorts of things, the weather. Um, but here's a newsflash, guys. Not every every track or not every race can be 70 degrees Fahrenheit and nice and sunny day. Um, the fans aren't turning up. And I am almost convinced it's because of this stage racing. It's like a forced safety car, yeah? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Full competition caution, they call it. That's so, just a dumb idea. Yeah. I didn't realise. I thought they actually broke it up yeah, no, into... No. So it's still... But it just bunches everyone... It bunches everyone up. They can, and they can, they can pit after the first lap of full competition caution. Well, they can stay out. It's up, it's up to them. Who comes up with these rules, Nick? Well, NASCAR came up with it this year. The problem I have with this is that it, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but if you're hemorrhaging crowd, the crowds are down substantially. Lots of empty seats everywhere, and it's become a talking point in, in NASCAR, unfortunately. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting concept that they've done. I'm not in complete agreement with it. What's interesting is they've also... Xfinity... For those of you that don't know what Xfinity Series is, that's the tier down from uh, Monster Cup. Monster Cup is the top tier of NASCAR, or Cup, and the tier down is in Infinity Series. So the Infinity Series, they're slightly smaller engines, different-shaped car, um, 
different brands is when I say different brands, different marks of cars. So they use a Mustang and they use a Camaro in Xfinity series. Um, and they're slightly, the cars are slightly slower, obviously. Um, so anyway, the Xfinity series for the um, Pocono race, I think that's pronouncing it right, Pocono. Uh, that's they will be having it's now they believe it's the first time ever a national sports broadcast will be commentated completely by um, people competing in the Monster Cup series. So from the top we have Kevin Harvick and we also have Joey Logano. So they'll be the, the commentators along with Clint Boyer, Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Danica Patrick and Danny Hamlin will be in the mobile studio. Did you know that Danica and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. were going out? No. Yeah. No. Um, do I care? No. No. I, don't. I, don't I just thought care. I'd add that in there. <laughs> I, I want to see uh, Bush and Joe Logano in the commentary room together. No, Cole. Cole won't be there. Cole, either he wasn't asked or he doesn't care. See, that'd work. Yeah, it would. It would, it would actually. I think it, that would... I'd watch that. I, I think I would too. I wouldn't actually. watch the race. <laughs> the, you know, I, I tell you what, Nick, the, we all take the piss out of him because we think, well, they're just going around in circles. But when you study it, like from a chassis builder's perspective, yep. those things are in a constant slide mm. around the track. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, it, it, it probably doesn't get and the fact that they don't run data logging mm. crew chief's got to make a call on what he sees and what the driver tells him yeah it's pretty it is pretty amazing yeah it's yeah. just for some reason being tagged with that redneck it has yeah you know yeah I don't know if you've ever seen the I'm pretty sure it was a a Simpsons episode I don't watch the Simpsons much but this one I saw and it was um I can't remember they went to a NASCAR race and there was a, they were selling T-shirts, and I think it was the 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 doctor. He said, "Hmm, interesting. A picture of a Ford urinating on a Chevrolet." <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's that. I mean, that's obviously the greater America's perception of NASCAR. Was Ned Flanders there? No, nah, no, nah, <laughs> Mike Mahan wasn't there. Our ex treasurer. <laughs> so, and while we're on NASCAR, Kyle Busch. I know we love to give him a hard time, but won a cool $1 million on the weekend. See, that's wrong, Nick. That's wrong. That was the all-star race. So to compete in the all-star race, you need to be a previous winner from the year before, a previous champion, and a previous Daytona 500 winner. They get an automatic call-up to the all-star race. Now, there's also a voter... Uh, a fan voter, a driver gets voted in as well. I don't know who that was this year. Uh, anyway, so he's won a cool one million dollars. Let's let's just hear Kyle Busch after the race. But out front, the Candyman Kyle Busch wins the All Star race. Wow! After 12 years of trying. just said there's a lot of things you haven't done this was one of them winning in a cup car at charlotte it's your first win of the year in the 2018 camry why is this one so special why are you so pumped up oh man this is it's the all-star race for one and for two we've never won at charlotte in a cup car so uh, we finally achieved that goal tonight and won the all-star race and won a million bucks so there's reason to celebrate and to celebrate big and i can't say enough about this team can't say enough about adam stevens you have adam stevens and these guys in the pit box and 
you can rely on them all day long. And I had to do that tonight. You know, we weren't quite the fastest car, but um, we made the right changes when it mattered most. We made the right moves when it mattered most. Wait a minute. No, here we go. Always giving you million dollar checks. Always giving you million dollar checks. That's right. I'll take this one. Hell yeah, finally. You got it. Thanks, brother. Good job. I'm not completely convinced Carl is the most popular winner in these races. I really, I, you know, I actually think he's got a, 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 a crap load of talent, Carl, but he's not a popular, he's not a popular, he's not a fan favourite, let's put it that way. I don't know, I reckon all the rednecks like him. He sounds like him. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't no. understand him. I don't no. speak redneck. No, no, well, neither do I. Neither do I. I think you'd you'd have to own a like a F truck or something. Yeah, F truck or uh, what do they call them? Dooley, uh, Dooley, Silverado, Dooley. So Kyle Bush, his million dollar winnings. Apparently, he's donating it uh, the three hundred thousand to the bail of Adam Cranston. Oh, you know, Nick. I don't know why he defrauded the uh, ATO of one hundred twenty. Well, allegedly. Allegedly defrauded the ATO of 128 million. Think 300 thousand. He wouldn't even bother to pick that much up. No, that's right. But Adam, in his own words, calls himself a fairly decent driver. So, for those of you that don't know, he competed in a Porsche in uh, Class B mm. and got a runner-up. He was actually 16th overall. Yeah. But apparently, that's still a podium finish. <laughs> apparently, I don't know. Must be a bloody big podium. He was on the podium. I must, I've seen photos of him on the podium. Yeah, when they gave out the yeah, Class, Class B, B yeah, <laughs> trophies. Yeah. I mean, it has made, made reasonably big news uh, here in Australia. I mean, because this is one of the ATO's biggest fraud investigations. So there's a number of people caught up in that. There's the, the, the sad thing is that his father is second in charge or runs the ATO department. Still now. Yeah, yeah, they're... they're Look, it is suggested that the father was not aware of the Adam's activities. Oh, so. yeah, one of the news reports that I saw, they suggested that uh, he had looked some stuff up. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that one pans out anyway. You know, the irony of this, mm. he made a very, very big deal about tax cheats. Yeah. You yeah. know, he was, like, out to get him basically. Mm. And turns out his son's the biggest tax cheat of all time of all time, of all time. Yeah. he set a new record mm. yeah yeah. I don't know if you saw the Touring Car Masters at Winton a couple of weekends ago it reminded me of the crash in Adelaide in the same category Nick uh, I, I, I couldn't watch it mm. I actually felt a little bit ill <laughs> it's really sad isn't it it's really sad let's just have a listen here to what happened and we go green here in race number two We'll get the lead. He locks the brake for a split second and we'll hold the lead through turn one. We got some side by side. Oh. He's going around there on the exit of his contact with Abel Nika. And now King's involved. Big damage here on the straight. That's an enormous crash. There must be a dozen cars involved. Sven Boycott's in the Porsche. Oh, look at that. It's a wrecking yard. And an expensive one at that. Huge damage to the front of the A9X. A couple of Porsches, Bernie Stack in the middle of that. Belinda Price is parked. Andrew Fisher, who started at the back of the field. Oh, man. Huge damage to Abel Nika, who started third. And Mark King copped an enormous hit in the Chevy Camaro as well. Race has been red flagged. There's King 
We've got Stack in the middle of this, Melinda Price. And we thought that lockup from Gomesall's car, that's just Cole Tyers going through. He looped it on his own as he corrected. It's come back in front of the entire field. And even John Baum caught in this. So, yeah, really sad to see that sort of stuff happen. As I said, it was reminiscent of Adelaide only a couple of months ago. I couldn't watch it, Nick, that see that A9X. You know, I'm a Ford guy, but I love mm. hatchback Tiranas. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it just, it killed me, made me feel sick in the stomach. I actually reckon that, that A9X was heavily damaged. The Camaro was heavily damaged. And also even Abodeca's XB Coupe was some serious damage. As you said, uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably fix them, but... I'm just the only reason why I put it in the general news is where I mean this is the two incidents we've had happen with with I won't call them amateur drivers I'm not they're not amateurs I'm sure they're very skilled they're more skilled than me but well they're not professionals no they're not that either no but are they up to this sort of this sort of racing especially he was he was in front Nick 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 right let's talk about the elephant in the room mm. right should you be racing pieces of history. No. I don't think you should either. I think they should be, you know, looked after, maybe brought out on, on days like, you know, like the Goodwood, mm. similar festivals like that. But to go and do that to them, mm. to risk them being destroyed, and obviously the safety equipment, uh, you know, they may be upgraded to modern specifications, but, you know, those cars in their day when they race, they were sketchy. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. I I think that, that they need to can this sort of racing and even like the HQ series. I mean, when the HQ series started, it was a great bracket because the cars were worth nothing. You could mm. buy a car for fifty dollars, yeah. but when you're paying ten grand for a yeah. six-cylinder HQ to mm. to build it into a race car, you just need a you need to have a progressive category, yeah. and you need to sort of give it an end date. And if people whinge about it and say, "Oh, but you know, that's not fair." Well, the idea is to keep the cost down, right? So now, for example, you know, racing a HQ isn't... I don't think it's a viable option because you can't get the the, the wrecks to get yeah. the parts to keep yeah. your race car going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's a thought, but and I've thought about this for some time. What about, is there any merit in... We've got, we're going to have a whole lot of V8 supercars... I mean, obviously, they, they, a lot of them just sit around parked up, not doing a hell of a lot. Is there any merit in draping a carbon fibre XY or... Um, Tirana's going to be hard on the V8 supercar, but an XY or a Monaro body over these cars? No. Okay. No. You want to give us <laughs> some move thought? Let's move on. Let's move on. Hey, look... Do our listeners want to give us some thought? But, what, I mean, why are you going to... You know, if you want to get all nostalgic, then go... Grab an old magazine or go and look at some photos on the internet. He's bounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. May... 2017 marks 40 years of one of the well, my favourite movie of all time there you go I've said it I've put it on the record it's recorded my favourite movie of all time it's 40 years Smoking the Bandit oh really yeah 40th yeah. anniversary 40th anniversary wow so if any cinemas or uh, movie distribution people are listening out there 
in the United States, they're doing in May special screenings of Smoking the Bandit across the United States. It'd be really nice if we could do the same over here as well. So if anyone is listening, I, I doubt whether they are, but you know, it'd be I reckon it'd be cool to have a 40th uh, year anniversary screening over here in Australia as well. Yeah, Nick, you you uh, did a little bit of homework. Uh, I love this on, movie. On this week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the director. Yeah, Hal Needham. This was his first. This was his foray into directing. He was a stuntman, and that's how he became friends with Burt Reynolds. He was doing a lot of stunts for Burt Reynolds in the sort of early 70s, and he he wasn't taken seriously. He wanted to direct a movie, and he wasn't taken seriously by a lot of a lot of the uh, studios out there. Um, he spoke with Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds said he'd come on board and be the main the main actor. So then, that was he was able to get funding from from there. That that movie, Smoking the Bandit, actually became the second highest grossing movie of '77, and it was second to probably one of the highest grossing movies of all time, which was Star Wars. Star Wars happened to come out the same year as well. Now, interestingly enough, Nick, mm. do you know what other movies Needham went on to make? Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run Two. Yeah, that's correct. Yep, yep, they're up there as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked a lot of his work. I mean, he had he had good contacts. Well, after he did Smoking the Bandit, he got some pretty good contacts in the industry. And, yeah. and, and who was uh, Burt Reynolds' co-star in this? Sally Field right. was his co-star. Was his co-star? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, because of the success and the fact that he worked with, you know, two of the greats, uh, being uh, Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields, he attracted quite a few stars from that point onwards. He did, yeah. From that point onwards, he managed to to get um, Sammy Davis Jr. Dean Martin. Yep, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Jackie Chan. Um, (laughs) I think Jackie Chan was an unknown, but there was the guy that played in the James Bond movies. The other guy, the Metal Teeth. I don't know his name, but... Yeah, he he was in one of the cannonballs as well. He, He played opposite... Jackie Chan, didn't he? That's correct, yeah, yeah. That in was the Subaru team. Yeah, in the Subaru team. That's right, with a rocket launcher in the back. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Had the vertical takeoff. That's too. correct. That's the one. <laughs> you guys are, oh, guys and girls, uh, you listeners are probably thinking they were crazy, but you should check out some of these old car movies because they're pretty funny. They are pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, I, I love Smoking the Bandit as well, Jackie Gleason. I never understood the motivation for the plot in in the movie as to why he had to get this beer to bigger bigger little Ennis Burdett. Um because that was the deal. He he was bet. That's correct. Bet yeah, a, an amount of money. Yep. Right. So so they had to get the beer. Yep. To this place. Yep. Uh, in a certain amount of time. Mm. Now there's a reason for this. You found that there was actually a real reason. This was a real thing. Well, there were, in the movie, there was no explanation as to why, but we've done a bit of research, and in the 70s, uh, there was an, actually an article in, in Time magazine which explained why Coors were so sought after and why someone would be paying, willing to pay such a high price. The lack of additives and preservatives meant that Coors could spoil or, or go off in a short amount of time. Because of those lack of additives and preservatives, it actually was a bit of a, a, a bit of a glamorous beer at the time in the seventies. You were pretty cool for drinking Coors. Certainly not the case now, from what I understand. <laughs> Coors is is not renowned so, for that. So Coors would be like the boutique 
That's beer correct. Of the day. Yeah, yeah, it was. So it was the boutique. Find the Coos Brewery, if it was in Perth, to be down in Fremantle. Down in say. Fremantle, that's correct. Or Margaret River. Margaret River. Yeah. And and probably the the Coos Brewers would look like hipsters. Yeah, yeah, with the beards. No, that's right. So yeah, I, that, the movie didn't really explain that as well. And also transporting beer east of Oklahoma was was also illegal. Back really? In the day. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was it? Alcohol free? That prohibition or something? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't alcohol free, but the beer it wasn't allowed to travel east of Oklahoma, and so that that was just the laws back then. Wow, mm. that's strange. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you're telling me is, Smokey and the Bandit was actually factual. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So it was no, more it was, like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I told my mum and dad as well. <laughs> After <laughs> that nine hundredth time I watched it, <laughs> you were watching it for a school project. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always enjoyed the movie. I, even Jackie Jackie Gleason as um, um, the sheriff, you know, uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Um, he was great in that movie. I, I really, I really liked that movie. So I don't know if you knew, but the Trans Ams were actually, even though it was made in '77, they put '77 front ends on them, but they were actually '76 models. They had four of them, but one of them got trashed in that big bridge jump. They actually put a rocket. Uh, booster on the back of that car and Hal Needham the director actually drove that car over the bridge so uh, by the time they finished making the movie there was only one Trans Am left and that was hardly running from what I understand what I've been told it was hardly running they had to rob parts off the other three and even um, the sheriff's car his Pontiac Le Mans was they had two of those and they were down to basically the last one and as you know they cut that up they cut the doors off they cut the roof off as well so you reckon they'll make a remake? I don't think so. I haven't heard of such a thing. I, I, I don't think so, no. No. You know, because like, they've done Gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. Done the Italian job. Yeah. Yeah. Of, seems like... Yeah, I, I, look, I mean, they did Dukes of Hazard as well. They did a remake, even though that was a TV series. They did a remake of Dukes of Hazard as well, but I, I don't... Yeah, I don't... I'd love... I, I wish they did. They did... Uh Starsky and Hutch too. Yeah, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. All the all the A Team as well has been remade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the all of that sort of stuff has been re- Chips has just been recently yeah. redone as yeah. well. I haven't yeah. had a chance to see that one, but yeah, obviously um, it'd be nice if they did. But I can't see it happening anytime soon. Can I ask you a question? Sure, ask me. What the hell do we want to do with Texas bar and hall beer back here? What is that? For the good old American life, for the money, for the glory. And for the fun. Mostly for the money. Alright, Simon. Well, thanks for joining us. Episode 5 is in the vault. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Are you still looking for uh, sponsors, yeah? We are, yes. Yes, we are looking for sponsors. So, so, so Nick, if you change it to talk and converters... <laughs> you'll come on board. <laughs> I might do. I don't know. Alright, well, we'll put a wrap on that one there, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, and as we did share the Fernando GoFundMe page, so if you go to our Facebook page, you can see the Fernando, um, his GoFundMe. He's uh, going through a bit of a rough time at the moment, so if you can help him out, that'll be great. Okay, Simon, thanks. Nick, thanks for having me on. No worries, you take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. See you, mate. See ya.
talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.